my family and I, which at that point was my wife and my daughter, and I, we, we moved to the upstate in 1996. And one of the things that I was the most excited about when we were moving from Florida to the upstate was the mountains. I grew up in South Florida. The biggest thing that we had on the horizon there, the closest thing to a mountain was the landfill. And if you've ever driven down 95, you've seen it and you've smelled it. One of the things I love about the mountains in particular is, is running in the mountains. It's a spiritual event to, to be on a trail and, and in, the, in the early morning and running down a trail by yourself with your own thoughts in your minds. But I also love, loving, love running in groups of people. So when I had the chance to run a, a half marathon in Tryon several years ago, uh, I jumped at the chance. My son ran cross country at Eastside and his coach had gotten a, a bunch of entries for free. So I figured, let's just, let's just do this. I decided to take full advantage. It was in November, so fall was, was about to peak. The leaves were still coming off the trees. And as we pulled into the parking lot, the car thermometer read 32 degrees. And some people have their perfect running idea, and mine is right about that temperature. I just love it when it's cold and we're running. And so the cross-country coach uh, brought a bunch of his runners to the half marathon. And there were lots of parents out there. And some were running, some were not. Uh, one of the parents out there, Johnny, who was my neighbor and, a, and the, the father of one of my daughter's good friends, he came out to watch his daughter, Maggie, run. Now, a half marathon should take anywhere from an hour and a half to, to three hours, depending on, on your level of fitness. So Johnny had decided he's going to sit in the car while everyone ran the race. It was cold. He didn't want to... Uh, he didn't want to get too cold. He, he um, was ready to have a nice warm time with a book or, or whatever he was planning on doing. But the, the coach came up to Johnny and said, I got a last-minute entry. Do you want it? And Johnny's a, a good, steady runner. He, uh, he, he, can, he could have done this half marathon if he chose to. He doesn't run like most of us. Most of us don't run to win the races. We run to be out there and to have a good time, give an outlet. And when you look at Johnny, the first thing you, you think about is, no, he doesn't look like a runner. He looks more like he likes donuts. <laughs> so that's the description of Johnny. He is a professor, and he is the perfect epitome of the absent-minded professor. But he's dedicated, and he likes to run, and he's out there often. So the first thought that he had when he got this entry was that he wasn't prepared. He wasn't ready to do it. And, and he didn't have his running clothes and his shoes. He hadn't eaten a breakfast that would give his body the fuel to carry him 13 miles through the hills. And as he thought about it a little more, he realized that he had a packed gym bag in his car, and he had a couple of granola bars sitting there. He could throw those down and give some fuel for his body for the next couple hours. The problem was that the race started in seven minutes. It was right then, but he made an impulse decision to run. He grabbed the number from the coach. He ran back to his car, and he looked around, made sure nobody was there, and he changed, and he pulled on. He had to get dressed in a hurry. It was the only place he could change was in his car. He had to do the start. So as soon as he got to the starting line, the gun went off, and he was out through the woods. Johnny was prepared, not only with the physical endurance and running skills, but he also had the tools 
the shoes, and the clothes. He would not have been able to react the way he did instantly without that preparation that he had over years of running and having his gym bag packed right there. And it's not cliche to say that God prepares us all in similar ways. Whatever we face, whatever moment we have in life, whether at your job or driving to the grocery, having a conversation at a session meeting, making decisions with what you do with your time and your money and your life brings you up to that moment that was formed in you, gives you an identity that helps you make that decision for you. And if you think about the Scripture this morning, think about the Samaritan and what might have been going on in his mind as he came across this injured person. Not only was he in the right place at the right time, but he also had with him bandages. He had with him wine that he was able to use as an antiseptic. He had oil that would soothe the traveler's wounds. He had money to put the traveler in an inn while he continued his journey. But more important than all of that, he had been blessed with a a life in his past that made him realize that the situation that the traveler faced was much worse than the one that he was facing And whatever life he had lived up to this point gave him that compassion and that pity and that desire to help. The traveler was a Samaritan, and the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. Yet he acted with love and grace. He comforted the man. He put the man on his own animal, walked him to a place of rest. We don't know anything about this Samaritan except what Jesus tells us, but we really should make some assumptions based on the story. We can assume that he was taught compassion as a child. We can assume that he had some sort of means because he was traveling on some sort of trade or business. He had been his whole life receiving as a fertile field this psyche that had prepared him by God to react at that moment to share God's love with somebody that his race didn't get along with. And think about when Jesus is telling these stories, or this story, that he's not referring to the Samaritan as one person. Perhaps he's referring to a group of people, a church that has the opportunity to react and welcome and care for somebody who comes into their means at a at an interesting time, an opportunity to be generous with your time and your space, your time and your talents. Perhaps as he tells this story, he's he's speaking directly to you as the word should, as you face opportunities and an amazing opportunity to do great things with the resources that you've been given. For those of you who have been around this church for many years, it's clear that you have a history of mission and caring for one another. You have indwellings and Habitat for Humanity. You send your youth on trips. You serve Project Host and you support Thornwell. All of these things are admirable things to do, but they've also been, been grown inside of you from this body and from former pastors, and they will continue to grow inside of you through an interim pastor and whoever comes to this pulpit next. How exciting is that for the opportunity to pass that on. 
You care for those that can't care for themselves. And that is a blessing not only to you, but to that person who can't care for him or herself. You bring people into this building and you show them love and hospitality and you give them a warm place. Within your walls, you love each other. You have strong Christian ed programs and hot meals, meals where you share a table together later and not just eat, but commune together. A seminary professor one time told me that a healthy church is a church that sends members into the world either through lay ministry or ordained ministry. This fertile ground that you have here is doing that. The Sunday school classes, the preaching, all of these things prepare you to go into this world. I was well served by a member of this congregation as going through my ordination. Rudy was my mentor as I went through the ordination procedure. It was a, a blessing to have him in my life during that time, and that came from this congregation, and of that I am truly grateful. And there are so many of you out there right now, out here right now with that opportunity right in front of you to take what you have learned and been prepared for in, these, in this church to the world. The only way any of this can happen is through the power of the Holy Spirit making its presence known in this church. And you are all blessed in ways that you don't even understand, that none of us can understand or recognize. And that's the peace that we have to, to celebrate with joy and react to with generosity, is the things that we don't know either exist or will be coming. This story of generosity is one about journeying down the road together and caring for the broken down traveler. It's about building homes. It's about feeding the homeless. It's about all of these things that you do and continue to do. And even to those that you don't like or dislike. And this appeal for generosity and service can't occur. And again, I'll say that it, it's not cliche to say that God will prepare you for anything or everything that comes in front of you. You might not like the answer that you get or the, or the direction that you are being given, but these blessings have been given to you by God as a conduit to spread those blessings to others. Now, Johnny was able to finish that half marathon a few years ago. The course was out and back, meaning you went out and you came back. There was no loop or anything else. Uh, so I was able to see Johnny as I made the turn, and a, few, a mile or so later, he was coming down the turn. He was looking pretty strong, but he was running kind of funny. I, I just had never seen him run that way. It was almost like a little bit of a limp, but it wasn't enough for me to say anything to him. It was just enough for me to notice. After I finished, I was able to cool down and drink some water and, and uh, put some food in my body and, and watch a few others finish the race, and Johnny was one of those that I was able to see, and he finished the race with what's called a PR. Any runners out there who have, who have uh, uh, given a personal record? Well, it's a, kind of a big deal if you're able to get a PR. At my age, I'm not getting any faster, so I don't have any more PRs in me. It's kind of like improving your handicap in golf. It's a, it's a pretty, pretty good, pretty big deal. And that day, it was the perfect combination of, of maybe a little adrenaline that he had, the weather, uh, everything else who, who caught, got together, the hard work that he did over the over the turn of his life, it was the fulfillment of, 
a lot of different things for a celebration of a PR. The race happened to have this spread of goodies afterwards. It wasn't so healthy food, uh, but as we were all talking afterwards, we were sharing our running stories, just like people share golf stories and fishing stories. We were all just kind of uh, sitting around and having a good time together. Johnny told us about his running story that day and the fact that he ran a PR that day, that particular day, was more remarkable when he told us what he did that morning after he had been given the race number. Now remember that he was in a huge rush. He was trying to do things in a hurry. He, he maybe had his mind in different order. And when things are done quickly, sometimes details are, are left behind. And as Johnny was putting on his, his running clothes, as he was in his car, he did something that I can say that I have never done, and I don't know how it's physically possible. If I ever did this, I know that I would know right away. Now, a pair of running shorts is called a pair because they're two leg holes. Well, on that day, Johnny missed a leg hole. Two legs in one hole. That's why he was running funny. 13 miles, both legs, one hole. The math doesn't work. But despite of himself, and despite of him in unintentionally trying to mess himself up, Johnny performed that day because he was prepared. He didn't do it perfectly. His, his imperfection, nobody knew, but they still saw him running. He still was able to inspire folks to get out there and run, despite the fact that he was trying hard to mess it up. He was unconsciously sabotaging his own efforts, but he reacted to the opportunity, and nobody knew what happened. Nobody knew what it took for him to be successful. And it's the same with this church. There are imperfections in each one of us all over the place, but you're still prepared to take the love and the grace and the mercy and everything else that is born within these walls through your pastors and your history, your Sunday school teachers, all the mission programs, everything out there, all of your Wednesday night suppers, your youth programs. This rich history of this church has prepared all of you to react to the opportunity that's right in front of you. Despite the times we all put two legs through our one leg hole, we're doing God's work. God is looking at us with joy and admiration, and he's waiting, and he's watching, and he's laughing at us when we try to mess our, ourselves up. And the good news is that God knows exactly who you are and exactly who you are as a church body and as individuals. He knows our limits. And God doesn't want us to be anything more than what we are, but God wants us to be everything that we are. His will can do anything, but there are certain things that he won't do, that his will won't do. He's not going to change you by force. He's not going to change you with a, a sledgehammer. He's going to change you by allowing you to bless others, giving generous hearts and, and minds and providing the means for our, us to do it ourselves. 
Now, don't get me wrong. We can't change without God, but we won't change by force. Only through our response to the blessings that we've been given. So as you go through this week and as you look forward to welcoming a new pastor to your pulpit, take an inventory of the things that not only you have that you can bless others, but this church, and allow that new pastor to work with you to take those blessings to a different level. Think about the the lack of hunger in your belly. How satisfied do all of these things make you feel? Your health, your friends, the community, and then think about how all of that works within this body of believers. You're in the unique position right now of providing some of those blessings to others and to welcome somebody into your family with love and grace and mercy. And then think about the only place where those blessings could have come from. Can any of them be here without the grace of God? I don't think so. Let's pray.